0: No, there is no five finger. Oh, I see what you say.
1: Your with yeah, hard luck, card with hard luck. Good morning, H. Santa this is Chumahan, the uh, elegant barbarian American Indian, Southern Californian. And I am coming, leading the show because our homie, our big homie, Big Lux, uh, is resting up. He's he's off of the surgery, just coming off of a surgery. Shoulder replacement. This shout out to Big Lux from the Hard Luck crew. And uh, we got, uh, who else do we got in here? We got old blue eyes. Santa, so Santa Monica.
0: Certified audio professional.
1: Engineer. A.S.A., where you from? From from the Hard Luck Show. A.S.A., where you from? From the Hard Luck Show. All right. And then we got, right, we got over here with the camera and looking weird. Who is it? I'm from West Side. Uh, uh, Uh-uh-uh. All right. That was my cousin, King Salmon. And then, of course, we got Big 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 Pick pick Mike, DJ Mike Angelo. Yes, sir. I'm from West Side. Uh, uh, Uh-uh-uh. Earbuds. What's happening? Yes, Mister and Mrs. Earbuds, and in the studio today we have a social justice warrior, a man who needs no introduction, a man wearing a gray beanie that's knit, <laughs> a man that goes by the name of Oscar. Come on, Oscar! 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 What's well up? How's everybody doing? West side uh, 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 we're doing great, so Oscar, we were just getting started. We we're talking about um you're working on some social justice stuff, right?
0: Well, I mean, I'm an artist, so as much as an artist could address uh issues of social justice issues
1: so. so what kind of art uh
0: I've been focusing on public artworks uh for quite a while now. Does that mean spray painting? It does involve quite a bit of spray painting um but primarily, we've been doing a lot of work with uh, different institutions. Uh, so I have an art collective, Three uh, BR Collective, uh, that's primarily made up of um, Chicanos and Indigenous uh, cats, uh, along with uh, now my little sister who's been helping out with a couple projects, and uh, she's African American. So hmm. kind of a you know a Black Indigenous uh, POC. We're working together to uh, to do. Large public art projects
1: Okay, so like what? Give us an example Of a large public art project That you guys worked on
0: We're working The current project We're just starting right now Yeah um, Is for the Hilda Solis uh, Care First Village uh, Over by Homeboy Industry On Vigness. Okay There's a transitional Housing campus there So we're going to be doing uh, Murals and artwork For the entire campus
1: And how mu- I mean, how big is that? Like, what are we talking about? Um as far as buildings, or yeah, footage, like it's or? as far as like however you want to describe it, you're doing these murals. How big are these murals going to be?
0: It's it's huge. Um, it's by far the largest project we've gotten. Uh, so, we're talking about two three story buildings. Yeah. Um, and God, how many trailers? Um, I don't even know how many trailers. But it's it's uh, let's see. We're talking about hundreds of units For, for transitional housing And that's all going to be painted
1: And what are you guys going to put on there?
0: Uh, different things, a few murals um, right, That right are going to go on to Well, they, they wanted we A lot of the stuff that we develop Has to do with uh, input from community staff um, Almost everything we do has community involvement So what they wanted is Things that had to do with um, We initially came up with the, the idea of uh, kind of these uh, motifs of the environment, things that are... This this project was crazy because we had to do a lot of work with uh, a lot of consultation because of the people that are going through the through the transitional housing. Uh, we had to take a lot of things that have to do with mental health and uh, so, a lot of different things into account when we were coming up with uh, the different motifs. So they wanted things that were uh, a little bit more uplifting, uh, things that have to do with L.A., kind of where they are in so Chinatown. Like, so uh, we have everything from... A lot of things have to do with with nature, wildlife, uh, cranes, but also things that have to do with with um, I don't know. How did you positive part kind of this positive?
1: Yeah. How did you guys get selected to be the ones to create the murals for this transitional housing?
0: We at this point, I we've done a, a ton of projects. So the the way it typically typically works is that they put out a call. So whenever anything gets built in L.A. There's a 1% that goes into artwork. So 1% of if the projects, you know, some of these projects are humongous, right? So 1% always goes into the arts. So then what they do is they put out uh, a request for qualifications. And so you have to submit your portfolio, resume, whatever. And then they do, if you become a finalist from there, if you get picked from the list, then um, then you do a proposal.
1: So so when they send the bat signal up, right, mm-hmm. and you guys get your stuff together to submit, <clears throat> do you actually propose anything first or they're just looking at your experience and qualifications?
0: So this is this is the difference between, a, I mean, they call it an RFQ, request for qualifications, yeah. and an RFP, a request for proposals. Proposal. And for the proposal, you usually get paid for that. So right. if you come up with the proposal, then then if you get selected, then you get the full project.
1: So I mean, this whatever. sounds like actually kind of like a massive undertaking. It's like even if they select you in the first round, doesn't necessarily mean that you're selected for whatever. There's still more to go, or is it they pick you right out of the the lot?
0: That it's extremely competitive. Yeah. And so there's a and there's actually a, a very small pool of people who, who are able to do this. Uh, and for the longest time, it was the same people over and over and over again that were getting picked for these projects because they already had experience. Right. And so the and uh, one of the things that would also hold people back before is that you had to have worked with a certain budget to be able to even apply. So if you hadn't worked with a budget, say for like twenty five thousand or whatever, yeah. You had, if you hadn't managed that budget, you couldn't even apply for a bigger project. So if the if the budgets were like fifty or a hundred or whatever, you had to kind of qualify for it. So you you weren't even qualified if you hadn't done one for like 10 or 20 or whatever so even getting your foot in the door was difficult um because how are you going to get that first project and so we were very strategic when we started doing public art where we were sometimes self-funding projects just so we would have a portfolio
1: how many people are in the group or the team or whatever when you say we started you know um being strategic right how did how many of the core group was there
0: there there's five people Uh in the in the collective um and the way we started was uh i ended up going to school much later in life so i ended up at ucla um in 2013 okay and uh and so there's in these art programs there's not a lot of chicanos indigenous people especially in these institutions right what
1: what's mostly in there and like, like, don't try to be polite. Like, what's really going on?
0: Honestly, there were I met more people from from Korea than from the East Side.
1: Really? Yeah. And wh- why is that?
0: Because it's the means, right? So, first of all, people that are, and this is a big deal when it comes to the UC system. Is is how do you even pay for the public, uh, you know, these public schools? And so what happens is a lot of the money comes from people that are. Out of state and out of and out of the country, where they pay a lot more to go there than somebody from from inside California.
1: Sean, do you get that? Do you understand what he's saying? Yeah. What is he saying? Are you saying that more people more people from
0: overseas than there are from local.
1: And why would UCLA wanna do it that way? Because they get more money. Exactly, right?
0: Yes. And so this this has They've actually been changing and so so for the first time they admitted a lot more people um, from
1: <laughs> Los Angeles. UCLA was like, you know what? It's in our fucking name. Maybe we should start admitting some students from fucking Los Angeles, right? It's it
0: all goes back <laughs> to, to lack of funding, right? So yeah. so the state had to pony up more money and then there's a deficit now. So
1: Man, it sounds like bureaucratic bullshit to it's me It's a lot brother.
0: of yeah. It's it's a lot of um
1: I mean, if don't I mean maybe I'm fucked up, maybe I'm the fucked up one, but isn't it like indigenous and Chicano people that basically created the style and the art of Los Angeles and before Los Angeles? Yes. All and, right. I mean so call me crazy. Right. But maybe we should like make the way for the people who've actually worked in it, developed it, built it. Like, I don't know. Is that wrong? I mean, maybe I'm I mean, fucked now,
0: up. I mean, now we have to just address colonialism, right? Like, I mean,
1: let's do it, dude. Point. I mean, we just got so. done talking about catheters and the other shit, So let's <laughs> talk about colonialism <laughs> right
0: now. Fuck. Uh, I guess they go hand in hand. Man.
1: So so how did you so you said you went to school late, right? To, 2013. What was the reason that you decided to go at a later time?
0: Uh, well, Come it, wasn't on, really, man. it wasn't really a choice. What um, do you mean? And again, we... I, I mean, it's basically systemic racism. So there was all these things that kept me from, from going into a higher education. And, and it had a lot to do with the really terrible education that I had when I was younger. Mm. And a lot of that has to do with racism. And uh, I'm a bit older now, and so... What happened was when I was going through school, nobody ever noticed that I had a learning disability. And, uh, and a what pretty, kind of learning disability? So is? I have dyslexia, and I also flip num- like numbers. So I'll, it's called this dyscalculia, which I didn't even know
1: existed. Dyscalculia?
0: Yeah. And so Damn. I didn't even know that existed, right? So, so it was pretty much impossible for me to do to algebra. Um, so
1: hold on, hold on, and I, and I don't mean any disrespect. But I want to slow down here because I feel like people, first of all, I, I feel like. People don't, who don't have dyslexia or dyscalculia, right? I don't know that they can relate or really understand what's really going on. So can you walk us through your experience from a subjective level, right? Before you even know what you have, let's say, right? You're just like, what? In, when did you first notice it?
0: So, I mean, I, I could give you just an example of, yeah. of how difficult it was for me to... Okay, so just background. So... um. Nobody noticed I had learning disability. Go to high school. By the time I'm 15, I get kicked out
1: of school. For what?
0: For just. Just had a terrible time in school And whatever <laughs> And there was beef with people But whatever I won't get into the specifics Were got c- dropping like M80s in the toilet? No That was Well those were my homeboys But um, <laughs> No but I mean it, it Smoking was, in the boys room? Nah it Stuff was pretty serious back then <laughs> like, Serious? Yeah Like uh, I mean I grew up in San Gabriel Valley And there was There was still a lot of, a stuff, lot of stuff going, going on, on. Yeah, yeah and there was a lot, lot of And then it got even crazier Because people were leaving Like South LA and stuff mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden We had like Bloods and Crips In our neighborhoods mm-hmm. That were Mm. So then, and the homeboys around there weren't having it. So there was all kinds of beef going on. Gotcha. Um but whatever. And so whatever. I I mean I was like like not involved in a lot of that. But I I mean, in contrast, you know, thinking back now we're like, man, that shit was crazy. But back then we're like, Oh, we're not doing anything that bad because those hardcore gangbangers. Like, I mean,
1: like, dude, all we do is yeah. stab a dude. Like, what's wrong with that? Like we didn't even <sighs> fucking Yeah, I mean the- <laughs> <laughs> All we did was cut a guy's pinky off I mean fuck oh, We didn't I'd, shoot anybody I, I actually <laughs>
0: I actually One of my earliest memories Is actually of some Some um, Some fool getting his fingers cut off uh, In the neighborhood And what? there was like this Long blood trail And <laughs> Like I was a little kid Following it in my bike and uh, I don't know what this guy did, but he pissed someone off in the neighborhood and they cut, they cut off his fingers, man.
1: Wait, wait, wait. I don't mean to laugh, but it sounds crazy because you're like, Well, I'm on my earliest. So, what happened? You were riding your bike and you're like, Holy shit, there's a now, whole that was the
0: next date. Like, it happened at night and it was like all kinds of stuff, madness going on, right? And cops coming around and asking stuff, <laughs> yeah. and the dogs are like, They have the dogs around. And later we found out what happened. Right the next morning, we see this long blood trail for like two blocks. Um, did you
1: find any of the fingers?
0: Nah. nah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Damn. That's what the dogs were for. Right? <laughs> yeah, they were like uh, a snack.
0: Nah, but it, and and it's crazy because those those blood stains would never really went away. They just oxidize, right? And um, but anyways, and those are those are things that I remember, like
1: right. But did do you think that that did that traumatize you at all, or was it like nah? nah that was just life. Well, that's the thing We talk
0: my, my partner is In the mental health field And okay. uh, is a pretty amazing person Does a ton of work And runs programs For the county And stuff like that But um, but anyways And so We we talk about resiliency, right? Like how How subjective that is Where Or we don't We don't really understand it Where we The way we've dealt With our traumas Because we For so long Probably put up with Madness, right? Like All these things growing up um, And we didn't really think about it As a trauma It was just okay, these are things we have to do and uh and I probably developed like another like serious mental disorder. I probably had like a more like a split personality thing going on just to be able to deal with the
1: things the that are two very worlds dramatic. Yeah. yeah, yeah, so when did you discover like when when as a kid, at what point in school were you like, Fuck, I don't understand any of this shit Well, it started
0: getting difficult right around third fourth grade and uh and then I just was getting into a lot of trouble by the time I was in sixth grade mm-hmm. um and but I would get picked on when I was younger, and so then by the time I like I shot up, like right around fifth or sixth grade, mm-hmm. uh, and then I just started getting into a lot of fights after that.
1: You were like, yeah, there's going to be some fucking accounts settled around here, Not motherfucker. No, because of,
0: I mean, I've never, I've never been that dude to, like, I never enjoyed hurting people, you know? You it, seem
1: like a gentle guy. Like, you come across yeah, as a gentle and, dude. But
0: I mean, I hated seeing people get picked on. So that, so... Social so we'd get in fights all the time
1: in the elementary realm. Well, dude. because
0: I already knew what it felt like, right? right. So like the first, you know, first through fourth, I would get picked on, and then after that, they wouldn't pick on me as much. Like I'd get in fights and whatever, but the other cats were getting picked on, and I would defend them all the time, right? And so that kind of ended up being my role most of my life. Really, is thinking about the underdog Where people just, I I just hate to see injustices.
1: Fuck, dude, <laughs> and, and it's this- a hard.
0: World to live in. I was just gonna say, dude.
1: Yeah, it sounds pretty tough around here. So then, all right. So you you have a when did you actually get diagnosed?
0: So so I get kicked out of school, right? And uh, and then I'm I'm trying to do JCS, whatever, right? And back then we didn't even really have access to computers, whatever, right? And so then I end up um, just giving up on school, right? You're like, it, fuck it, yeah, whatever. Couldn't couldn't transfer, so. Um, just started doing graphic design and art for, for pretty much Let's say I had my first studio back in 97 And so in uh, uh, Over in the Pomona Arts Colony Which was really great But then fast forward to 2012 uh, When I meet my partner she, she realized right away Like oh yeah you're, you're dyslexic
1: and How did she know? She
0: works in the mental health field
1: Right So she's like Oh man Not only are you crazy But you're fucking dyslexic Oh she immediately was like Diagnosing me She was like
0: "Mm." She's like You got ADHD But OCD tendencies And (laughs)
1: You know, and, it, and yeah, and it, <laughs> 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 is that annoying a little bit though? Like, I'm no, not level, at all. all you um, ever be like, hey man, can you cool it, Dr. Freud? Like, I'm just, it's just me. No,
0: man. I'm, I'm actually excellent at diagnosing. Are uh, you? Oh, yeah, I'm really good at it. And, and it's look at look at this man
1: right here. <laughs> well, look I have at, to actually, have no, no, look <laughs> at him. It's, he says, I'm pointing at you. Yeah, old blue eyes. All right. He says that he's an introvert. Does mm-hmm. it, are, can you diagnose that? Can you see that in him? No, you well, say I'm an intro. <laughs> no, you say No, him. you say <laughs> What about this guy? Look at this guy at the end Look at his turgid eyes <laughs> Turgid eyes <laughs> <laughs> Look at his eyes what, What's going on with him? Hey, he's a fun guy. Yeah, he is actually. He's yeah. a funny guy. fun guy. I won't even ask you about being with Mike because I know, <laughs> I know his thing is, uh, you know, private. I'm talking
0: about traumas, man. But.
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Did he tell you about? It? He's only got nine toes. Yeah, right. Oh yeah. Yeah, we he tells us that every day. Now, going back to your situation. All right, so, so, um, okay, so your partner's like, hey, this and this and this and this. And did it make sense as soon as she told you? Like, oh,
0: I, I had already figured it out ah. so, then, so then what happened was uh, but, I, but I couldn't get diagnosed, right? right? Because then all of a sudden If you're not a kid in, in school yeah. Then it's extremely difficult to get anybody To get you to, to be diagnosed as an adult right. And especially then, like, what are you going to do, right? And, um, and so then I, I had to look into it because of my daughter um, She started having problems in school And I, and I was like, oh, I think she's fine But I definitely have dyslexia and so when when my partner told me I was like yeah I'm I'm pretty sure but there was things going on at that time where where I f- I wanted to kind of move up when it came to to my art practice and so I wanted to do residencies and I was applying for some grants and she told me you know you're you're never going to get these unless you you go back to school and, and get mm. get your degree and so I was like that's not going to happen and we and she pointed out every single person who were getting these had their MFAs Um, And so then She said Really what is it going to take For you to go back And I said It's got to be UCLA And it has to be a full ride And then um, She said okay So we'll We'll make it happen And and yeah Ended up uh, Going to ELAC uh, Which Then was the Hardest thing I've ever done in my life
1: What is ELAC For the uninitiated
0: (laughs) East LA College (laughs) And so I had to do math And so I basically had to go from basic basic math to quadratic equations
1: in six months all right hold on then you got dyscalculus or dyscalculia yeah so so a good
0: good example is is say i'm doing algebra and there's there's an f and a five in the problem i will flip that because just because five starts with an with an f in in my brain has a misfire So it so it isn't even I think I'm doing it right And my B's and D's Forget it Like I flip those All the time So dog is bug And it, all the time I'm Dog flipping. is
1: God God is yeah, dog Yeah
0: Yeah Right And so So then I had to I had to do it so much That it It circumvented The short circuit And became muscle memory Right So I had to do math For probably around 12 hours a day For like 6 months And and just so I could go to UCLA Just so I could get there
1: Hey Mr. and Mrs. Earbuds Are you listening to this? Listen to this Right You guys all claim That you like David Goggins And you claim That you're inspired By his story About how he had to Write down everything You're listening to a guy Okay To get into UCLA Had to do 12 hours of math For 6 straight Motherfucking months That's dedication Yeah Right? I mean it's not because you love math, it's cause you got to do something and this is what they're asking you to do. That was the price to pay to level up. Fuck, yeah. Man.
0: yeah. The that was what do they call it? The escape velocity, right? Like mm-hmm. what you have to do to 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 get out of that
1: that uh force that's keeping you. How did you space. stay focused, man? Like did you listen to Rocky music or what did you do?
0: <laughs> no, it was it was um i was i was like uh i think it's from east of eden where where they say um in that line there's this one character and they say that that in order for somebody to really be the people that are more successful they 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 think of their goal they figure out what it is that they want and then they forget about it only focus on the next step and so i had to i had to do it no matter what the cost was that was something i had to do and i had to figure it out
1: and that was it. Did you have dreams about numbers and shit?
0: Oh, yeah. All the time. I was dreaming, I was dreaming quadratic equations. I was, it was insane.
1: And what, like, so what's the journey? Like, I mean, to me, on some level, there's a monk aspect to what you're talking about, which is, like, you kind of, like, sequestered yourself. You're like, this is the next step. I'm not going to think about the whole thing. I'm just going to hunker down. I'm just going to fucking do this. Right? And... You must have like At any point Did you like say Fuck this I'm not doing it anymore Or was there any Did you go through emotions But there
0: there were times Where I was like Man fuck this teacher Because they (laughs) They didn't think I could do it Right Because I was struggling From the very beginning And so they didn't They were like You have to retake this class I was like There's no way I'm gonna retake it I have to Just continue doing this Over and over and over Until I'm able to do it Mm -hmm. Because there was There was no Like second chances uh and then once i was accepted to ucla for sure like there was no no looking back i had to get everything done
1: and did you actually come to any insights about math or numbers having that much intimacy with it
0: i mean i've the thing is i i've i've worked in in design and packaging and a lot of the stuff i do requires very exact math. Right. So, but it has more to do with, with measurements and the way things uh, line up and it's just very different things and now I'm working with things that are architectural. And so, I mean, I math is nice. It's a it's a language that is absolute, unlike our language, which is very, um, I don't even know how to explain it. Sometimes I have to explain things in Spanish, right, where it makes a little bit more sense. And, and I even like the idea of... Um, how there's there's so many concepts that can't even be explained, right? So mm. so especially when it comes to like indigenous uh, languages where where there there are no translations for things, right? And so language oftentimes fails us.
1: Yeah, I think I think I think you're right. So in in one sense, right? And you get this this idea is that math is in some ways kind of universal and precise, right? There's There's, um, in Tokyo, 2 plus 2 is going to be 4. In Los Angeles, 2 plus 2 is going to be 4. And certain measurements or whatever. But, right, and the, the, the geometry that Pythagoras and everyone's doing, that's the same. It hasn't changed over millennia at all. And then you get to language and you're like, words fail us or whatever. And it is clunky, right? It is. Language is clunky. And it is... Um, Sometimes impossible, right, to translate, like you're saying, words or feelings or uh, experiences in an indigenous language into my tribe, the Sklalem tribe. We don't have a word for hello. Because we don't think it's that big. If you fucking showed up, obviously you made it. Why do we have to say fucking hello? But... In our society, right, it's an assumed, like, you're going to say a hello or a greeting to acknowledge that this person showed up. But the flip side is, is, like, sometimes I think maybe for indigenous, um, it's not so much the language, but it's the assumptions of the culture that they're based on. So, like, in America, right, Some of the assumptions, this is something I was talking to somebody, I can't remember who I was talking to this about, but like, even if you're an atheist in the Western world, even if you don't believe in God, even if, right, even if, somehow this idea that you're not part of nature, humans aren't part of nature, they got kicked out or they're somehow removed or they're fucking it up or whatever, somehow that's a part of the discussion Mm -hmm. already. Whereas in my tribe, it's not. There's no story about we weren't, we were kicked out of nature. There's no whatever. There's none of that. It's not even part of the discussion. When you look at indigenous cultures and also thinking about art and mental health, right? What are some of the relationships towards concepts, the way societies kind of maybe set up, how we view mental health? It's time to rethink recycling with renew. Particular
0: valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. The the way here here's the thing. The 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 way that I see the way that I see the No, that's not correct either. The way I approach the work has a lot to do with the worldview that I hold that is not a linear way of looking at the world right mm. it's it 's more of a cyclical, like the cycles that that we 're in and that we 're able to and time kind of um, we all know because of the pandemic and how funny these last few years have have behaved right where it, where did this time go right it's It feels very different, yeah. so we know that time could stretch and expand and contract right depending on what 's going on so but these are cycles that we 're going through and they're they 're the continuing cycles, and I think that 's something that that comes from basically any like you were saying any culture that doesn't remove itself from from our place in the universe right we and we understand that we don't understand everything and mm. and because of that we have reverence for things that that we don't understand rather than this this kind of idea that that my worldview will define everything right this very european way of looking at things that has to do with like the grand enlightenment or something where everything is going to be reduced to one single answer as if it were math, right? But that's not the way logic really works. Hmm. And, and that's because we have different worldviews. And, and that's one of the things I really appreciate of, with everything that I, I've learned so far um, about so many Mesoamerican cultures and uh, Native American cultures is um, that, that there is an appreciation for other worldviews. There isn't this I'm gonna force my view onto you. It's that we can have an interchange of of ideas and concepts and I might adopt some of those. There is a or, or even the the whole Zapatista scene, right? Of a world where many worlds fit. Right. And so that's the way I try to approach things is to understand that people are gonna have a different experience with the work and it's all valid. It's it has less to do with my own ego as far as what i'm trying to convey unless i'm really addressing uh, a hard topic like things have to do with police brutality or or very difficult histories things have to do with um, like right now i'm working on a piece for the social justice the museum of social justice uh, that has to do with um, the history of walvera street and this is a tough history i mean we had we had Indigenous people being auctioned off. We had yeah. uh, so many different things that have to do with um, just police brutality and uh, this myth making of of Spain having basically populated Los Angeles. And it's not it's not an easy story to tell. So for who? Well, right. We have to delve into these these things that are very uh, very much uh, erased from from the history
1: why 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 doesn't why doesn't everybody right i was talking to old blue eyes about this off air when we were having a quick conversation and i was telling like you know i avoided watching reservation dogs for a while mm. because for a couple of reasons number one is sometimes when i watch american indian stuff i get disappointed because you know kevin costner's involved or you know some bullshit right yeah and i know this is grassroots or whatever. <clears throat> I stayed away from smoke signals for that reason. I was, just wasn't sure. I'm not I so I watched reservation I start watching Reservation Dogs. And I gotta tell you, uh you know, you know, I'm at 24 hour fitness doing an incline, working out while I'm watching it. And it probably once an episode I either tear up or cry. There's something in it. But it's it's from this idea of these people that You know Are survivors Of this thing And we're not erased And it's because We're still here Right That's Yes The land The government Did whatever they did But we're still here And I was talking to But there's also Positives about it Right And one of the things There's this scene Where Bear Is on the roof With the father Of his buddy Who killed himself Right And they have this Discussion on the roof While they're roofing And at the end of it There's like a sign In the sky Right Some cloud, something shiny, whatever it is. They don't say anything about it. They both look at it. They see it. They don't say anything, and they just let it be what it is. And at that moment, I realized, you know, coming up, it wasn't odd or strange or wrong or childish on the reservation or for American Indians to make meaning out of nature. It wasn't like every, every individual could look at something. Now, was it really that or not? nobody really knows but no one challenges an american indian to look at his environment or nature and make a a make a meaning out of it right but for mainstream americans and when i say that i guess i mean white americans a lot right and so oh blue eyes is my token white friend and so i I talk to him about white stuff sometimes to find out what they think anyway so i was talking to him about that and oh blue eyes said something that was so powerful cuz he said you know what man there isn't really white people and i'm like yeah and he said the truth is is that the mainstream americans that are here are so cut off from their roots that they're just lost and that's what that is
0: the concept of whiteness is much more of a problem than actual white people right so the concept of a superior dominant culture Right Is Is the biggest problem To overcoming racism
1: One of the things That I think about too Is that You know The United States Is not that old Why? Well you made a face What is that? <laughs> what do you
0: say? I mean there's it, it I mean It might not be that old But But the The um, These 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 um, very, again, difficult histories yeah. are long before the U.S. Uh, they're much older than the United States.
1: So you're right. So, But that wouldn't be the United States. So you're right. There was people in life here before the United States got started and before it stole stuff. Totally 1,000% correct on that. But what I mean to say is, is that this country, right, As a nation as an artificial construct nation isn't really that old in the big scheme of things and I think about it a lot because I think like well so what now here we are what now and the cool thing about reservation dogs is they poke a little bit of fun at some of the overly academic decolonization talk which doesn't really relate to regular people's experience but there is something true to it, too, which is like, you can't just forget it. So what, what now? And the reason why I bring that up is because I feel like until Americans right, can feel like all of the histories, the good, the bad, the oppression, the freedom, the struggle, all of that belongs to all of us as, a, as, a, as our birthright as Americans, then, then, Maybe these histories won't be so difficult for some people. I
0: mean, it's as simple as not looking at someone else and saying they're less American. Right. That's it. Like. Right. Like, I'm a Chicano, and that's uniquely American. And, I mean, and I say American,
1: <laughs> there's like chanting going on now. Yeah, I know. It's a sign. My <laughs> hey, great-grandfather said we should be talking right now. Oh. ho. <laughs> okay, go ahead, please. But um, You're right. There is nothing more American, right, than somebody, um, than, than the Chicano culture, especially taking spaces that, quote unquote, weren't intended for them by the master race or whatever you want to call it, and making it their own, developing something out of it, creating a culture out of it, or, or preserving one that they already had in it when it wasn't designed for that right
0: yeah and the thing is like you were saying America has to own it all I mean gangs very much American you know they they started deporting people and then those gangs came back like those uh, those uh, wars those interventions in Latin America yeah well that came back to bite us in the ass right like all these things and now we don't want to teach these histories we don't want to learn the lessons from these things
1: yeah there's a big movement lately to try to go away from it i've been doing a lot of research on the black panthers i've been doing a lot of looking at you know sort of the late 60s right before you get something happened where everybody was kind of waking up you had the aim the american indian movement you had caesar Chavez. you had all those people and it was all coming together and then there was a series of assassinations right and then, all of a sudden, you get into the superficial, weird, late 70s, 80s.
0: So, so the real revolutionary movement happened in the 70s. And it's been completely erased. What is it? Oh, they, like, at that time, I think it was something like there was three bombings a day in the United States. Like, it was real, like, we're going to overthrow the government. Stuff that you don't get this history at all. And... And people were serious when they were saying they were gonna overthrow the government. Mm. I mean, when they were kidnapping judges, like when they was they were occupying uh courthouses, like that was that was for real. And most of that happened in the seventies, not in the sixties. The sixties mm. they were still trying to work within the system and Civil rights. protests. Right. I mean Malcolm X also was speaking a little bit more realistically as far as the way things had to go, but Things got serious in the seventies, and and that's the part that gets erased. And they want to replace it with like, I don't know what, you know, that history that we think happened. But this, this was serious. People were were ready to die for things, and it was that's how they saw themselves as as revolutionaries. It was very different than this idea of peaceful protest. It was like, no, nah, it was going to be by force, and it had gone to that point in the seventies.
1: Right. So the idea being was we tried all the other stuff, right? We tried the movement, right? Uh, the the peaceful protests, what Gandhi was doing. And so I've even heard from people that said that Gandhi did what he did the way he did it because he didn't have the actual weapons to do. He didn't have oh, yeah.
0: arms. He wasn't a pacifist. And he right. said that. He said, We're, we won't like rise up, so then I'm going to have to use... The weight of the empire against itself. Like, we're, we're, we're going to then use pacifism as the weapon. Right. Because he's, I, I actually believe he said that the people were too coward to rise yes, up. Yes,
1: I, I read that. Yeah. I read that. He understood, and, and, and they were that way, partially because of the subjugation for so long. And he realized the only way to get them out is to do the pacifist thing. They yeah. weren't going to fight. Yeah. And so, you know, cut to the civil rights movement. You're right. In the 60s, it's like, uh, they did all they could to for Jim Crow. And some stuff changed, right? But they murdered Malcolm X. Fannie, Fannie Lou Hamer, right? Black Democrats in Mississippi were not allowed to vote in the primary for an LBJ won reelection, And at some point, everybody realized, fuck, it's not going to be through peaceful protests. We have to actually arm ourselves and we have to fucking take the power.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's when we get the 80s. That's where we have this massive backlash. And um, I mean, we basically have been going through, you know, neoliberalism. We had all these, and now we're at what? Neo fascism, I think. Yeah.
1: Right? We but, are. It's very bizarre. I'm reading a book called Hitler's True Believers, right? And this author's whole thing is looking at, like, kind of saying, like, It's too easy to say Hitler was charismatic and he started all this shit. He's like saying, no, 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 no. There was already uh, just a hotbed of fucking ripe for fascism, ripe for anti-Semitism, all that shit. He just happened to be there at the right time. I I spent
0: my entire life talking about the racism here in the United States and people telling me it wasn't true, that the United States wasn't
1: racist. It's wild.
0: (laughs) And then all of a sudden, you know, everything starts happening with Trump and all of a sudden I have all these people saying, like, I know, I mean, we're all, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement, like George Floyd, all these things happen and all of a sudden everyone's like, oh, let's fight racism. You have no idea how you've been participating in it this entire time, so how are you going to even deal with it? And, and going through these institutions that, that really are the ones that, that create systemic racism there and uphold it. And... So what I always talk about is that there's, there's two major state institutions that that basically dictate our place in society, and one of them is a prison, mm. and the other one is, is the education system. One and, thousand. And you're being tracked into one or the other, and th- we don't really make anything anymore, so... What are you going to do, right? You're going to sell some product on TikTok or something or
1: whatever. you Side hustle. Yeah, side whatever
0: hustle. side hustle, right? <laughs> because now you're not going to be tracked into a factory. But for the most part, most people in the hood, they get tracked into prisons. Yeah. You know, you're a black and brown kid. And that's what's going to happen. But nobody ever talks about this through a conjoined lens, like of being able to talk about prisons and schools in the same You know, it's the same thing. It's the same. They're both state institutions.
1: Why why are schools set up in this situation where it's up to political parties to determine what our kids are going to learn? I mean, (laughs) seriously. That drives me crazy. That drives me crazy because people get up there and that's why you get Ron DeSantis or whoever it is. That's trying to basically... And let me tell you something. In this, Hitler's True Believers, one of the first things the Nazis did when they seized state power was to kick out all the old school and education system and take it over for young kids. Because they wanted to give those young kids how to think. So now we're here, and I'm thinking about this, and I'm like, fuck, man, how are we going to? Because we have to, on some level, I think, we have to open up the tent for the people who are white, who aren't benefiting from the system either and they feel like maybe, right? that that somehow they're unfairly being positioned. And I'm not saying they're innocent. I'm not saying that, but what I am saying is is like how do we get everybody together that's not really winning in the situation to take back the power?
0: I mean even even okay, so going back into world views, right? There there are societies or there have been societies where the idea of winning and losing didn't exist, and here we are in a super capitalistic super hyper individualistic way of looking at the world that is difficult to think of of how do we take care of each other right it's extremely difficult because everything has to do with coming up but but everything in a capitalist system has to do with some form of exploitation For sure. we're exploiting something you know by low, so high, whatever it is right we're trying to figure out how to how to all come up, and at the same time with inflation, whatever, like we're getting okay, we're we might make some more money, but really all we're doing is servicing, you know, these billionaires compounded interest. Like we have to we have to somehow make more money, create more money. And nobody nobody has a billion dollars. Like <laughs> nobody really has a billion dollars. Like it might be on paper, but but Every every dollar in circulation is a debt, right? Yeah, and so that's the way the system works. So we're just creating more debt. That's all we're doing when we're creating more money, right? Yeah, and so we're we're putting people, we're creating pretty much indentured servants in the future, like into future generations. That was some word. Yeah. It's a sign. (laughs) Another sign. Keep talking
1: about the white man's paper, brother.
0: Right? You're going to come read us right
1: now. (laughs) Hey! All right, go ahead, please. No, but I mean, we all, I don't know if people
0: really stop and think about the way these systems work.
1: Well, the the reason why, listen, man, the reason why people don't stop and think about it is because most people are fucking put in a desperate situation. So they don't stop and think because they don't got time. I mean, my buddy Old Blue Eyes, uh, King Salmon, even me, right, I'm an attorney right and so i am part of the system i mean let's not fuck around on some level i got a daughter i got a wife and i'm a lawyer right and so i'm taking money and i'm fucking working within the court system and doing whatever and that has to be done at this juncture and and, and at the same time though you're right how do we for me it's it's all about Education, Like, how am I going to get people to stop and really think? How am I going to... Motherfucker, how am I going to get people to stop and go, like, wait a minute. Three quarters of the education for every kid is advertising. It's fucking advertising. A fucking cartoon fucking lizard talking about insurance. <laughs> like, it's your friend. Not just said, Like,
0: okay, let's look at the national, like, budget. Right. Half of it goes... Into the military And so With like With the Ukraine They're saying Oh we're sending more aid No you're sending weapons And so you're You're basically Spending that budget I I, I'm And I'm not saying that They don't deserve help What I'm saying is Maybe we could spend a little bit more money to try to prevent some wars rather than just How about we things, stop
1: right? How about we stop propping up corporations like fuck it if your corp can't make money Fucking hit the street jack off
0: It's it's funny how it's always pull yourself up by your bootstraps Yeah right? unless, Until, you're, like, unless, <laughs> unless you're, you're in the C-suite and
1: your name no. is Stefan Mark or some bullshit like that yeah. Unless it's that I'll tell you something man um let's see fuck I don't know I start to get on this I start getting crazy um so, the project that you're doing near Homeboy Industries and it's part of this community, it's transitional housing, and you had to do a lot of consultations, right? Yes. All right. So then, what images or what vibes did were you guys able to come up with to be like, this is going to support the energy, the the.
0: We went back to flora and fauna. A lot of things have to do with with because it's it's the city, right? And yeah. we wanted to, and we know that anything that has to do with nature is is much more healing and so we want to with a lot of that and so there is a backdrop of things that have to do with with kind of the location things of Chinatown things of downtown um but we wanted to make sure to put in flora and fauna that are that are actually
1: indigenous to the region and so what would that be let's say fauna right let's say well let's say flora first what kind of things right are indigenous or from this area where you're like yeah we got to put up this fucking I don't know Century plant That's probably not even Indigenous
0: No I mean A lot of things Have to do with um,
1: (sighs) Like the chaparral
0: Yes Sage Yeah things (laughs) And and for the most part I mean I work a lot With with iconography Right And so Because I worked in Design for a long time So it's things that, that You know You could You could recognize But um, some of the things are are silhouettes. some of the things are are silhouettes worked into words um mm-hmm. uh, so there's a lot of different elements that are in it. There's at least ten different kind of um uh, these iconographies that have to do with with uh, different animals, different plants um we're working in words that are that have to do with just kind of positive affirmations different things like that
1: um how yeah, important is an environment how important is an environment for the human experience
0: I mean That's a I mean that's That's basically what defines us I mean our reaction to the environment is really what defines us I mean we're put into different Environments right like You grow up in the hood or you grow up like whatever it is And talking about resiliency is also right I mean I've I've known people who've grown up Very privileged that have very little resiliency uh, And other people have yeah. grown up in Trust fund people conditions.
1: Trust fund people that can't get out of bed
0: yeah. I mean they someone throws them a loop in something and uh you know at work or whatever and they get all flustered and other people keep their cool no matter what,
1: like So for Mr. and Mrs. Earbuds that are listening, right, and let's say they don't have a budget at all, right? But what are some things that they might be able to do for their interior space that might actually help their <laughs> The easiest thing is get some plants. You know, when they've
0: done studies about some of the healthiest and longest-living um, people on Earth, I think it was in Japan, where where almost everybody just farms. They have their own personal plots, and they they've live, like, they have the most centurions, like, people over 100 than anywhere else in the world. They And it's because they, they have their own farms, like, small plots at home, and
1: they seem to be the happiest, healthiest, and longest-living People in the world What for you personally What is your favorite plant Like you're like Yeah this is the Fucking plant Don't fuck with this (laughs) Prickly pear Motherfucker
0: I Okay so I actually Okay I got a story to tell. tell If anybody If I don't know if anybody Even remembers The South Central Farm So So the South Central Farm Was the Was the biggest community farm In the country And I'm forgetting the cross streets right now But But it it was basically like four city blocks that that people were farming and they they were set up in into different um, little um, sections that each family got right right from the neighborhood and they were growing everything in there and so they like sugarcane, like med- plants for medicinal uses everything like the community just had this beautiful farm nobales, cactus and there's actually a, a a documentary called I think the farm. But it was nominated for an Oscar, so look it up. I mean, it's pretty, pretty powerful, you know. But anyways, so so I had I had recently gone back from from Chiapas. I spent some time out there with the Zapatistas, with with some activists. You know, I met a lot of activists from all over the the country, and I came back and and they're they're victiming these farmers, right? These, and it's a crazy story. But so they're they're victiming so. So I'm at work and and I get this call that, you know, they're raiding the farm and it was one of the biggest like the feds were there. It was huge. It was just Yeah, there was like and so I think even when the cops are like, man, some like now's the time to rob a bank on the other side of the the city because everybody was there evicting these these people that were there, right? But anyways, so my friends get arrested. Now, um, people that I know were getting arrested because they were doing civil disobedience. And so then I I get there and they start bulldozing the the farm by the time I get there and so I lift the fence up, and I I start taking some of the plants that were left, and a lot of them had already been taken out by the by the families. They, they knew what was going to happen, and so I get some some nopales, some cactus, yeah. and um and so I throw them in the trunk of the car. And I'm driving around to different jails, picking people up, and I spend most of the day there. Then I go home, and uh, at that time I was still living with my family, and I and I give these uh, nopales to my to my parents, and I said this this com- came from the South central farm. And and I was really upset, and they they planted it, and and it's been growing there. And a, I think like a year later, I'm eating nopales, and my mom says those those are your nopales, the ones that you brought from the South Central farm. And I started gifting them to different farms, different different community spaces, and I've used it in my artwork. And there's there's this one farm out in Bodrigo Springs, that I they started community garden there, and I I gave them one of the the leaves, and within a a year same thing they send me these photos and there's hundreds of them they propagated (laughs) them and uh, and there was people that would go weekly and they said we've given at least 3,000 like of these these uh, paddles out like in a year and and to me that's 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 part of my art practice you know but how do you separate resistance nopales And, and it's and to me it's it's a perfect metaphor for for migration right yeah so that nopal never thought it was going to end up in pomona and then in bodrigo springs but that's that's where it ended up because of political issues like these challenges that happen
1: how much how long did you spend in chiapas just a few weeks how um, does somebody get down to chiapas do you got to like hit that's a, a whole
0: another crazy story um but i i was actually listening to um a very kind of left-leaning radio station, and I heard somebody last minute mention, "Yeah, anybody who wants to go on a delegation to uh, Chapa's, like email us." And it was like this cloak and dagger crazy thing because right. it was it was back um, 2005, I think.
1: Right. Was Sub Comandante Marcos still...
0: Um, I actually was in the room with him.
1: No. Yeah. Did, was he smoking people, a pipe? Was he smoking a pipe? No,
0: but the people I went with actually ended up doing security for him when he came down to Tijuana. So, yeah, they they had spent months out there, like half a year building uh, relationships with the different communities
1: out there. And so, I mean, what was it like being in the room with him? And this is a guy that kind of stood down the Mexican government... And was able to hang in there. We were
0: we were actually in the hospital that they had set up in the community when um, Comandante Ramona passed away. Mm-hmm. Like the like we didn't know she was there, mm-hmm. uh, and they announced it the day after. So we were probably visiting that community when she passed away. So it's it's just this crazy history that most people don't even know about now. But but yeah, that's it's. it's it's the same story that goes back to colonialism where the Mayan people were never really conquered, right, and I mean they were they've been rebelling basically since first contact
1: and and um and what is like the countryside like or like for the person who just lives in Chiapas and they want to be a part of the community and they're just gonna live there i mean what what is it like? Do they have houses do they farm? Is it everybody working together how does it what did you see
0: I mean when I was there I don't know what it's like now It's yeah. been a while yeah. But it's It's pretty Complex I mean most people do farming Right We were I I got to see when they were Bringing in like the coffee Like the The cosecha Like Different things that they were That they were doing You see maize everywhere mm-hmm. um, But But it's a very Very Poor community Like most of those communities Are very far into the jungle And um, Into the mountains And that's one of the things That's That's Kept them from from really being colonized Right But no But but at the same time No matter how far Into the jungle we went You would still see Churches and Coca-Cola Like Crazy Like no matter How far into the jungle You would go They would They would have Coca-Cola So I mean it just tells you One of the first things I saw when I went into San Cristo de las Casas Like The major city uh, Kind of outside of The communities Was a Coca-Cola plant Like a giant Factory
1: Fuck Yeah Yeah Man, Oscar, I feel like I could talk to you for another 10 hours. I hope you come back. That's an amazing story. I would really like to get, you know, more into sort of where you think we're going in terms of the country, what we can do. How do people find out more about what you do in your collective and support what's going on? Where do they go?
0: Uh, just look 3B Collective. And, 3B B
1: as in As in boy collective right
0: 3BCollective.com
1: Yeah And if anybody wants One of these resistance Nopales <laughs> Where do they write? Um <laughs> Hit up 3B I'll, <laughs> They'll let me know Right but,
0: but honestly yeah If somebody wants one
1: I'll give them one all. all right yeah. Hey man Thank no, you Thank very you so much. much for having me Yeah you, It was a great great talk I think I know I got a lot out of it My friend So I appreciate it and I just want to say to Mr. and Mrs. Earbuds, vibes rolling paper. Hey, freedom for the people, fight capitalism, but vibes rolling papers. <laughs> SupermaxHardware.com. Cookies. Right? Burner. Burner. Big burn. Estevan Oriel. And the song Assassins. Soul Assassins. Tunes. You know who you are. And Mugs. Uh, Mugs, DJ Mugs, right? What up? And I said Supermax Hardware, right? And Big Lux, heel up on the shoulder, titanium shoulder coming at you. Bigger, badder, faster, better. And uh, thanks to Monique for helping our man out, right? Nurse Monique doing her deal. Anybody wants to know about acupuncture, uh, hit me up on the email. I can tell you how to increase your sperm count on that. Uh, <laughs> it's a true story And Oh uh, and LLP We wear braids to court Let the tomahawks fly The best legal representation money can buy Also Big pick Mike DJ Primitive DJ Mike Angelo King of Mike Angelo Photography Mike Angelo Photography Also Mike Angelo Stereo Install uh, come on down <laughs> He does everything He does tinting too <laughs> Michelangelo tinting And uh, he can cut the shocks on he your truck pin striping Everything bro Lower that shit Slammed it And then <laughs> And also Custom uh, mufflers <laughs> Custom muff diving And then right We got do too tough Yeah He likes it hairy He likes it scary Now, here comes uh, Big Salmon, right? King Salmon, Poppin' Patches, Beyond Dragon, Dragon Bags. Beyond Dragon, Dragon Bags with a Z. With a Z! Beyond Uh, Dragon. Right, but listen, all of that is horseshit because the real plug
0: is Sean at movemental.media for all your audio and podcasting needs. And don't forget to hit us up at hardluckshow.com.
1: hardluckshow.com, Show. Dot com. Hey, while we're kind of ending this out, maybe we should give an announcement that um, we're going to ease back on the number of shows per week. We're going to maybe cut it back to two. Right. So what? Like Monday, Thursday? Um, I don't know. We haven't decided yet, guys. So you're listening and we're cutting it back because everybody's working more, actually. Uh, and we've, we want to maybe put a little bit more energy into each show. Right. I mean, originally, we were just doing one motherfucking show that was like eight hours long. That's basically... That's right. Right? Yeah. Right? And then we're like, fuck it, let's dice it up into three. Right. But there's so much inventory and everything else. I uh, think I think you... I think we'll kind of go back
0: to the format that we had before with like one really good long one or two really
1: good long ones per week. Right. Probably. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we'll see. We'll see what yeah, happens. Yeah, and... Um, Go to my fucking TikTok, you crazy little fuckers. You little fuckers. Tell them what they can expect. Well, I'll tell you what. You get the American Indian book reviews. I just got done talking about Chuck Berry. I read his book. Uh, One of the fathers of rock and roll and also a pervert, I guess. I mean, he had camera holes and shit everywhere. And there's pictures of films of women defecating in his mouth. That's in the book. I didn't say that. That's in the book. Also, uh, you'll also hear um, on part 12 of the Black Panther histories. Dude. Part 12. Yeah. And also, you will get some indigenous histories. Nice. Uh, Talking about uh, Lorena Ramirez of the Raramuri tribe that was also not conquered in the mountains of Chihuahua. And the Chihuahua is a native dog. Yes. Yes. It's. The original native dogs, and there's a ton of them, right, here in for 9,000, 10,000 years, although I don't buy into the side, the, the Ice Bridge story. Okay, okay, okay. All okay. right. And there we go. Hey, <laughs> <I, I actually laughs> adios, I have, go amigos. Go ahead, go
0: ahead. I, I actually have two cholos, two uh, indigenous dogs.
1: Nice. Yeah, we're going to do an indigenous dog show, bro. That's right. Fucking A. We will. Fucking A. All right. All right. And about this time, we say what? Adios, amigos. From, from the, from the Har- Har- Look show. Yeah. Now nah, if I if I if I this is me now. Oh, bro, he shit on himself.